0: Mac Power Users, Episode 125, iPad Essentials. Hey, everybody. It's David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie. Hey. So it's just the two of us today, and we thought we'd spend some time talking about iPad. Uh, we've uh, we've played with iPad a lot in prior shows, but we've never really gone through what we consider to be the essential apps and and workflows for iPads. And this seemed like a, as good a time as any. So it's just the two of us today. You you okay with that?
1: I'm good. I you know I like it just being the two of us every now and then. Yeah, that's how we started this thing. You and, bet. And this is kind of a good show for us to do now because it, you know we're just getting back off of Mac World and. Um, I actually did Macworld. I think I mentioned it in the last show, iPad only. And that was one of those things that I really struggled with going back and forth is, Oh, can I really do Macworld without my Mac? And that just kind of seems a little wrong. And, but we've mentioned before when you and I have gone to conferences or traveled or vacation and things like that, it's, you know, taking a Mac is kind of like taking a baby. I mean, they're so thin and small and tiny and, but they can require a lot of stuff sometimes.
0: Yeah, you know, at Macworld this year, I did a session on iBooks Author, and I definitely needed a Mac there to do that. But if it wasn't for that session, I, I would have got by just fine with an iPad, too. I mean, the iPad is, is really great for travel. It's it's not everything you get from a Mac. I mean, I think, like, the multitasking suffers. If You know, the idea of having an email and a web browser up on the screen at the same time is something that can be really useful, and it's just not possible but you can really get by with it. I mean, one of the things I always recommend people do is turn on the multi-gesture um, uh, uh, switching, and that's in the settings app. So you can take four fingers and just swipe it right or left on the screen, and you can go between two apps. And uh, when you learn that, that's a, a really a game-changer. So you can have the web on one screen and your email on the other. You can flip between them. It's not quite as good as having them both on the screen, but but in, in a lot of ways, it, it's really great. And, and in a lot of ways, it's also... Even better than a Mac. I uh, before MacWorld, I had a friend who had a um a what is it, an eleven-inch MacBook Air. It was a couple of generations old, and he didn't want it anymore, and he offered to sell it to me really cheap. And I didn't know if I wanted it or not, and I uh, I borrowed it from him for a week just to play with. And you know, it it was great because it's a Mac, and like for instance, the you know, having two things on the screen is possible, but. I really, really love that Retina screen on my on my iPad so much that I ultimately gave it back to him and said I, I wasn't going to take it. Right
1: now, you've you've got a couple of iPads. You've got the yeah. the, four, the third generation, right, with the Retina screen. Yeah. And that ugly old thirty-pin dot connector.
0: It's okay. <laughs> it's okay.
1: Uh, and then you've got the the iPad Mini. So I want yeah. I want to hear a little bit about that because I've just got the third generation Retina Mac, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about. Yeah, a little bit about picking an iPad and picking a model and you know most of our, our listeners know much about that. And, but I, I really want to kind of get your opinion on you know, how some of these apps are different on the mini versus the full-size iPad and whether you have the same experience or whether they work just as well and whether you can do some of this stuff you know, better or, or whether it's more difficult on the mini versus the regular iPad.
0: Yeah, so the outline for the show is we're going to spend a little time talking about picking an iPad and kind of fundamentals, but that's a small part of the outline. The big part is we're going to go over some of our favorite apps that we think you want to use on your iPad, so... Uh, hopefully you'll get something out of that. And, and at the end, we're going to talk about accessories a bit, but you know, while we're on the subject of iPad, I'm, I'm doing something I wanted to share with the Mac power users audience. Um, every year I give a, a talk at the ABA tech show to a bunch of lawyers about technology and lawyers are really interested in the iPad and how they're going to use it. Um, I've agreed to do a couple talks uh, with a friend, Ernie, the attorney, Ernie Svenson, who's a great guy about, um, iPad and, and the law. So we've got a little uh, website we've started up called nerdyprofessionals.com, um, and we're going to be doing some continuing legal education on iPad. And uh, if you're into the law or interested in it or know somebody is, uh, check it out. Maybe you may want to sign up for one of the sessions. Um, uh, you know, it's a, the first one's going to be very basic because we're just trying to get lawyers to understand how it all works. But it's all going to be video as well as audio, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So everybody who's interested in that, please uh, pass the word along.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to put some of my um, partners onto that.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. But anyway, let's get back to the show. So where we start with all of this is, is picking an iPad. Uh, it used to be a lot easier. There was just one.
1: Well, right? it was black or white.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true, and you had memory configurations and and Wi Fi or, or or LTE, but um, now there's two. There's two. There's the small one and the big one. Um, I'll just say after using them both, I still really love my big one. I think I'm in the minority. Um, I think if you if you ask around, in fact at MacWorld I was talking to people, and a lot of people really really love their iPad Mini, and I think if it had a Retina screen, I would probably prefer it over the bigger iPad. But I don't know if it's the, uh, the glaucoma or what, but I, I really do like the larger screen and the sharper text. Um,
1: now, you've, you mentioned two things the larger screen and the sharper text. Is it, uh, sharper is hard because you can't get that on the Mini. So you, you have no basis of comparison of what sharper text would look like on the Mini no. other than you know what it looks like on the bigger one. But are you finding that surface area is a problem on the Mini?
0: Well, it depends what you do. Uh, Like, I do a lot of uh, mind mapping, and I like having the increased real estate on the screen for that. Um, For web browsing or email and stuff, it doesn't bother me at all. That's the smaller one. OmniFocus doesn't bother me at all in the smaller one. In fact, if you saw me at Macworld, I was carrying around the mini a lot more than I was carrying around the big one.
1: So, you went to Macworld with a 13 inch Retina, I'm sorry, you went with a 15 inch Retina MacBook Pro an iPad mini and a, a iPad?
0: I was loaded for bear at Macworld this year.
1: And were you carrying that all around with you all the no, time?
0: No. No, generally I just had the iPad mini.
1: Okay. Yeah. I
0: mean the day I spoke about iBooks Author, I I you know, my hotel was right next to the conference center so I could just run back to the room. So when I gave my session on iBooks Author, I gave the whole thing from my my MacBook uh, Pro, which if you're talking about iBooks Author, that's where you need to do it. Um Every other day, I believe, I walked around with a mini. In fact, when I gave my presentation at the Omni Focus event, I did it from an iPad mini. I didn't even have a Mac with me. I had the Keynote on iPad mini. I plugged it in, and then I used a remote that I'm going to talk about later in the show to advance slides with a remote on the iPad mini. And a bunch of the geeks there were very interested in how I did that.
1: Oh, so then what exactly did you use your full-size iPad for at Macworld?
0: I didn't. Really? So you just you know. had it in the back. I mean, I had it in the room. I didn't really take it out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, a couple nights um, I was wired, you know, because Macworld's so fun. You can't just, like, go to bed. Right. And I went back to the room, and then I just grabbed my, my full-size iPad and my Bluetooth keyboard and go down to the bar somewhere, and I'd write a bit on the next field guide. So I did that. But I never really carried it around Moscone.
1: Okay. See, obviously, because the the full-size iPad was all that I had, um, I carried that around with me everywhere I went. I, I took it to the conference sessions, and that was my primary device that I used. I used it to take notes in the conference sessions. I used it back in the hotel room. I wrote up several blog posts and was able to post them from the hotel room or from the lobby or from even in some cases the airport, depending on where I was. And I had an external keyboard, and we'll talk about that I used for that. But I, I carried that around with me 24 seven. I think I threw it, I went, you know, went back to the room and threw it back into the room when we would go out for the night, but, and it wasn't, it wasn't bad weight wise, but I, you know, I kept thinking, boy, there's really nothing I'm doing here that this wouldn't be nice if it was smaller and lighter.
0: Yeah. I mean, the iPad mini is really nice. I, I suspect it's probably selling bigger than the, the large iPad. And if you ask around, like even just at at Macworld, talking to our friends who are into this stuff enough to get on a plane and go to San Francisco for Macworld, I'd say um, like 80% of them uh, that have both were preferring the Mini. And even though I keep saying how much I like the big iPad, when truth be told, at Macworld, I was carrying around the Mini every day. When I gave a presentation, I did it on the Mini. And if I was in a pinch, I could have written field guide text on the Mini just as easily as I did on the bigger one. So – who knows? When they come out with a Retina Mini, I may just go over to that exclusively.
1: See, that's my plan is when they come out with a Retina Mini, that will be my only iPad. I, yeah. I just don't see any reason I need two iPads.
0: Yeah, I don't really have an excuse for owning two, except I really want to. Except your Max the Mini was like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, um, <laughs> that's pretty much it, to tell you the truth.
1: So, um, Wi Fi or LTE, because I've gone back and forth on this one.
0: Well, I, well, you know, I've what... gone
1: back and forth and back again, I should say.
0: Well, one thing I would say is, is my larger iPad has LTE on it, and I really, really like it. And once again, this is something that if money is an issue, like if I was in school, I, it would be a Wi-Fi, no question. But, you know, I've got enough money that I can spend an extra 20 bucks a month, and it's not going to kill me. And the ability to just be plugged into the Internet is really wonderful. Um, it's like, um, uh, here's an example. When I was on the plane... I um I wrote a bunch of email. And as soon as the plane landed and I, I hooked it back in to the system, all that stuff was just gone. I didn't have to, like, tether it to my phone. I didn't have to find a Wi-Fi hotspot. You know, just sent it off. And uh, it's just nice. Um, and I think it's really a luxury because Wi-Fi is a lot more available than it used to be. I mean, you can go to McDonald's and get Wi-Fi. So... Uh, if you've got a few extra bucks and you want the convenience, then go for it. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not mandatory. How, what do you think?
1: Well, I'll tell you initially, I always went with the 16 gig wifi only iPad, the, the low end model. And part of that is cause I'm frugal. Yeah. And then about a year ago, I was going to a conference in Washington and this was before I gave up my unlimited plan on my iPhone. And this was before I had tethering. Uh, and it had been a problem at this conference in the past and, you know, Wi-Fi was spotty and the hotel was weird. And I had an opportunity to upgrade to the, the LTE iPod or sorry, iPad, um, very inexpensively. It was just a, a my mother was getting an iPad and she, she was getting the base model and mine was brand new. And so I could basically hand her mine and then turn around and go buy the, uh, the LTE one. And so I did. And I will tell you that I have turned on the LTE on the pay-as-you-go on my iPad exactly once, and it was for that conference. And I have never had an inst- – there have been instances where, yeah, it would have been nice maybe to have it, but it wasn't like, yeah, I want to go ahead and spend you – because know, it's pay-as-you-go. I think it's like 20 bucks a pop for, for when you need it. Um, And then a couple of months ago, I changed my phone plan over to Verizon, and now I've got one of these family share plans because that's all you can get. And the tethering's included, so I, I've I've got a gig of data, which is the the minimum you can get, and I've got a share plan. And because Wi-Fi is everywhere, you know, home, at my office, just about everywhere I go, I never even come close to using my gig of data. I, I normally use about three hundred megabytes. And on one or two occasions when I've I've wanted to use my iPad and not had connectivity, I've just flipped on tethering with my phone and you know, suck down whatever I needed to do and, and flipped it off and it hasn't been an issue. So, but on the other hand, I'm now at the point where it only costs me 10 bucks a month to, to add my iPad to the plan too. So it's like, you know, I really don't use it that much, but having it everywhere all the time would be nice. So it's only going to cost me, you know, 10, you know, 120 bucks a year to add it to my plan and have it everywhere, you know, plus what is it? 130 bucks added to the initial cost.
0: Yeah. Well, you've already spent that in your case.
1: Well, in my case, but I'm thinking more of, you know, for the next iPad. So it's it's one of those things where um, yeah, I, I could go either way. Now that I've got official tethering on my phone, it's really not as important. And, uh, you know, I flip it on when I need it and flip it off. And I probably only flip it on a couple of times a year. But could be nice for those times you need
0: it. Yeah, well, I do tether quite a bit with the Mini. Because like in Macworld, I was dragging the Mini around with me a lot. So I wouldn't need to tether it to... To get into the net. And um, in the day job, I actually spend quite a bit of time at the courthouse and there's no Wi Fi there. So,
1: see, our courthouse has Wi Fi for attorneys.
0: So, it's really nice having the ability to do this without having to fiddle and stop and start the phone. And then you worry about running down the phone battery. And like I said, you know, uh, fortunately, I'm at a point in my life where 20 bucks a month is not going to kill me. You know, I don't go to Starbucks, I don't spend money on a lot of things. So, I'm okay with it, but it's really a a personal call and and I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer. Don't get hung up on it. If you like it and can afford it, then go ahead and get it. And if, if this isn't the point in your life when you can, then you know, you're lucky there's Wi-Fi everywhere.
1: Right. Almost everywhere.
0: Yeah. Size. What about size? So you said 16. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach that. I, I fill these things up. I usually recommend people get 32 as a minimum. Because there's so much great media coming out for this. I mean, like even just these iBooks author books I write are close to a gigabyte. You know, I don't want to use up a sixteenth of your uh, your iPad storage. Well,
1: what do you what do you keep on your iPad regularly? Because I'm I'm pretty aggressive about putting stuff on when I need it and taking it off when I don't.
0: Yeah, I like to keep stuff on there. I've got some movies on there, some TV shows at any time. I've got several iBooks author style books, not just my own. Um, I easily fill up 32 and if you travel a lot, I, if you're going to be someone who just takes your iPad, when you travel, I recommend even considering the 64 because, uh, for instance, if you're going to offload all your pictures on your vacation to your iPad and you want to take a movie or two along with you very quickly, you will get over 32 gigabytes.
1: Yeah, I guess I've just been fortunate. Um, 16 has always been plenty for me. I, I don't regularly keep movies, TV shows, and videos on there. I keep all of my music on my phone and now an iTunes match. So I'm not storing all that data on my iPad. I do have a couple of iBooks author style books, including yours, on my iPad. Um, but the, and I will tell you, it has become tight when I've traveled. And when I've traveled, maybe been the times that I've wished I've had 32. But those are just such few and far between times. It's kind of, you know, do I, do I want to buy my iPad for the 5% that I use it, or do I want to buy my iPad for the 95% that I use it?
0: Well, that's really the point. You don't travel that much. So if you do, then you're going to need a bigger size. Um, And again, I'm okay with the 32 because I like having extra space on the thing. I don't want to be running it up to 90% all the time. And at 16, I I would. So once again, you can make your own call. I, I, I know that Apple makes a lot of money when they upgrade the memory. I'm sure it doesn't cost them $100 to double the RAM. So I'm sure it's a profit center for them. And, you know, it's what's it, just like the LTE thing, there really is no right answer. If you're used to using a small amount of data, I think video is a really good indicator. If you don't in, intend to put movies on your iPad, then you can probably get away with a smaller one. But as we get into these cloud services, uh, you are going to want to download stuff onto your iPad. And, and I, I would especially if you're buying one of these things for several years, I, I would be more inclined to spend an extra hundred bucks and get just a little bit more than you think you need.
1: Yeah. So if someone's on a fixed budget and they have to pick and I, 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 you know, I've got an extra hundred bucks to spend. I can either spend it on upgrading my size or getting LTE at this point. What do you think is more important?
0: If you travel a lot, I'd get the extra size. And if not, I'd get the LTE. If you're not, you know, if you're not around wifi a lot, I get the LTE. It just depends on what you do.
1: Yeah, it all depends. All right, well, I think we're probably going to move into talking a little bit more about the setup of the iPad. But before we do, let's talk about our first sponsor for this show, and that is Connected Data. And their new device, the File Transporter, and this is a really cool device. We got to see it at MacWorld, and these things are real, folks. I'm, you know, they they funded on Kickstarter. They had a very successful Kickstarter campaign. David and I have been fortunate enough to be in the beta test. He's got one. I've got one. Um, We talked to the founder over at MacWorld, and these things are sitting in China, ready to go. Um, They're tweaking and putting the final updates on the software. In fact, I've just gotten some software updates and there was a lot of buzz and excitement around this product. I I think they've really found a niche and, and got some excitement going about this.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really a great product. So it plugs into your ethernet or possibly Wi-Fi if you want, but I'd prefer it with ethernet with that faster connection. And it's just basically a hard drive storage. You can stick anywhere in the world and access from your computer. So, the challenge is realizing all the things you could do with that. You could have it plugged in right at your home, and you could use it as a basically a file server for sharing files or sending really large attachments to emails with links to people. Um, you could plug it in at a friend's house and use it as an offsite storage solution. Uh, there's just a lot you could do with this thing, and it's it's a really nice little device, and uh, it gets out of the way very quickly. And I think I'm actually going to end up with two of them because I, I'm going to use one professionally for the, for the day job and then one personally for my photos as an off-site storage solution.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That's really one of the problems when trying to explain this device is there's no elevator pitch. There's no way you can say in 10 or 15 seconds or less exactly what it does because it does so many things. I, You know, talking with some of our friends at Macworld about these devices, I think every single person we talked to had a different idea for how they were going to use it. So, you know, here are just some examples of of how you can use the transporter. Uh, If you've got a file that's too large to send via email, you can use the transporter to send somebody a link to share that file. If you've got private files, like maybe you're a doctor or an attorney, or just files that you don't want to store on a public cloud system, you can protect your privacy by storing these files on a system that you can control and transferring them peer-to-peer instead of on somebody else's server. As David was talking about, you can use it to back up your projects in real time to both local and off-site copies, depending on how many of these transporter device you have. Uh, They've got an iOS app coming, which means you're going to be able to access files using your iPad, your iPhone, or on your computers from anywhere in the world with an Internet connection, which essentially lets you add up to 2 terabytes of storage space to these devices. And, of course, you can sync files between multiple computers, between your friends, your family, your work colleagues. Yeah, it's just amazing the different types of uses that people find for this device. And as you start talking more and more about them, everybody figures out, oh, yeah, I could use this for – XYZ project or or this particular thing I have in my life. So
0: yeah. yeah, you know, as a dad, I just cannot get over my manic desire to make multiple copies of the family videos and pictures. I just I have to have them many places on many drives because if if I lost that, it would devastate me. So to me, the cost of one of these is totally worth it just to have an offsite backup for my pictures because it doesn't work for Dropbox. I can't put my pictures, they're huge files, up to Dropbox. Um, but I could put them on one of these, and it gets them off-site, and I don't—I can make it automatic. I don't have to think about it, and it just happens. So, uh, you know, every, like I said, that's for me the big thing. But for other people, it's other things. But either way, go check it out. They're at filetransporter.com. We love having them as a sponsor. I think it's a really unique product, and I think you're going to dig it.
1: And um, thanks to them for considering their support of Mac power users. So let's let's talk a little bit about the, some of the first things you should do when you, you set up an iPad. And to me, I think one of the most important parts about these iPads now, since they are always connected, whether it's via Wi-Fi or LTE or however you want to do it, is a lot of our data now is being stored in these cloud services, mail, contacts, calendars, um, even backups of these devices, and so I think one of the things people have to give some consideration to is to pick the cloud that they want to use. Whether um it's iCloud, which everybody who has an iPad is gonna get a free iCloud account. Or maybe they wanna use the Google Cloud. And we we've talked about some of the pros and cons of iCloud versus Google in, in previous shows. And, you know, pick your cloud and, and figure out how you're gonna go ahead and sync your data to it.
0: Well, I mean, I don't think it's an or it's a- it's an or question it's not iCloud or Google
1: no you can, you, it it certainly it certainly can be an and
0: yeah you you are going to be using iCloud when you set up your iPad i mean apple pretty much pushes you into it just to get the thing started um the question is how far are you going to go with it and it just depends on the apps i i think you just look at it holistically i mean i i use iCloud for syncing contacts and i use email through iCloud i i use pretty much everything that iCloud has to offer but I'm still happy to use Dropbox and Google and other things to sync things. So um, it just depends on your specific needs.
1: Yeah. But the point is, you don't have to. You don't have to use iCloud for email. So if you've already got your own email that you like, you can turn that off. If you've already got your calendar stored in Google and you want to continue to use that, you can turn your iCloud calendars off and and add in a Google Cal. Uh, yeah. But I and think that's
0: done in the iCloud uh, preference setting in the in the uh, settings app.
1: Right. But I think it is important, um, even if you're setting up your, your first iPad and this is your only device, I was just helping somebody at work who, um, the you know, they've got an old PC that they really just use basically as a fancy word processor, but they were so thrilled when they got their first iPad and now they've got an iPhone. And they really didn't have a concept of this whole idea of syncing. And I said, no, let's let's get you set up with an iCloud account, but they already had their own email and that was fine. And this idea that contacts and calendars can stay in sync between all these devices and at some point when they get their Mac, it's all going to get sucked in. I mean, that was huge.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. I mean, I know people who run law offices through iCloud, you know, small, small firms.
1: Um, and if you don't already get yourself an Apple ID, if you set up an iCloud account and that could be your Apple ID, maybe you've already got one. If you've already bought anything from the, uh, the app store and we've already talked about how your app store ID can be different from your iCloud ID or, or it can be the same. It just kind of depends on when you got into the system.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I use iCloud aggressively. I do the backup. I do photo stream, find my iPhone or find my iPad. And contacts and calendars, all that stuff runs through iCloud. And I've been very happy with it since uh, for the last year or two now.
1: Yeah, I, I want to stay with that topic for just a minute because it is so important. And Apple prompts you a little bit, but they they really don't force you into this. I think it is so important, especially for new users, to set up those services beyond the initial, you know, signing into your iPad so important to set up that automatic backup to iCloud and that find my iPad, because those are things that if something goes wrong, uh, you can't go back and set it up after the fact. So setting those up as soon as you turn on your iPad and getting those backups running whenever you plug it in and it's connected to Wi-Fi and having find my iPad running in the background are going to be so important. And if you're setting up an iPad for somebody else, just check it and make sure that these things are, are turned on. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you do have to turn on separately, and, and I learned this recently when I did a restore of my iPhone, is messages and FaceTime actually have to be set up separately from iCloud. And, um, you have to go in and sign in with either your Apple ID or whatever it is you're using to, to set up with messages and, and FaceTime. Those, those are two separate applications that have to be set up separately.
0: Now I'm on AT&T and I get to use FaceTime now over, um, LTE. Do you get to use it on Verizon? Uh,
1: because I'm on a newer plan, yes.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, we do that with my family still all the time when I was up in Macworld even. I was FaceTiming them from the street. It was a lot of fun.
1: I, I don't use FaceTime that much. Um, I really use messages all the time. And my brother uh, is is really more of the texting generation than I am. And he's on a family share plan with my, my parents. And they were just commenting about how much his texting use has dropped and they were thinking that, you know, perhaps he had grown up and grown out of that phase. And I said, no, guys, it's, it's because he got an iPhone and everybody else that he's messaging is in iMessages. And so his text message usage is just going down.
0: They just don't see it. <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, for the longest time, I didn't have a texting plan because I would maybe send 10 text messages a month.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, like you, I, I think I kind of missed that. But my kids have brought me into it because they text all the time. So I text with them and I, I definitely text a lot more than I used to now. Um, yep. But I, and I I think the FaceTime thing is a, is definitely a kid thing. If you have kids, it's really fun to see their faces, and especially when you're traveling. So I I, I never do it with with business associates, but I yeah, often do it with weird. my family, even with my sisters and stuff. I like to FaceTime; it's fun.
1: One thing that I want to point out with both messages and FaceTime is that you're not limited to using just your phone number. And you if it, if you're on your phone or just your iCloud email address if you're on your iPad is that you can add additional um, contact addresses either directly from the phone or through the Apple website. And I've put a link in the show notes to a support article that talks about how you can do that. Um, so that if you want to use and you can associate these these contact addresses, you have to log in and verify them that they're you with your Apple ID. So if you maybe have a work address that you want to get, um, you know, if, if work associates may potentially message you, but they don't have your phone or your uh, cell phone number or they don't have your, um, your your personal email address that you've associated with iMessage, you can associate a work email address with that um, or alternate email addresses. If you're one of these people who collect email addresses, you can associate multiple email addresses with that. And then you can pick which email address you basically um, want to be your caller ID. So when you send a message to somebody who maybe doesn't have you in their address book, what do they see you from do they want to do you see it from your phone number maybe you do or maybe you don't want them to have your phone number or do they see it from a specific email address so those are all settings that you can go in and tweak and the other thing that i i put a blog post up on this and i'm going to ask people to consider it is consider turning on read receipts for messages i know why everybody hates them in email but i really think they have a place and are useful in in messages I'm looking at you, David.
0: I'm not that emotional about it, to tell you the truth.
1: Uh, I mean, it's, just, so, it's tell, just give me the case.
0: Why do I need read uh, receipts?
1: Well, because I have no idea whether or not you've seen or acknowledged my message. I don't necessarily need to know because but those I, are two
0: different things, be, yeah, whether I've seen that's it, true. And whether I've acknowledged well, it. Well, not necessarily.
1: <laughs> I mean, e, to, I use messaging and yeah, let's just call it texting, but I yeah. use messaging or texting differently than I use a phone call or email. For me, it's a different mode of transmitting information. So if I'm going to pick up the phone and call you, it's something pretty important. If I'm going to send you an email, it's not real important. I mean, it's something that I kind of expect you to get back to me, you know, within, within a day or a day and a half. It's not uber important, but I, I still want you to see and reply. I consider a, a text message to be somewhere in between. I'm, I'm sending you quick bits of information. We don't need to have a conversation about it, but yet it'd be nice to know if, if you received that information. So I, I don't need you to always reply and say, okay. Um, you know, I'm running 10 minutes late. Well, did you see my message? Did you know that I'm running 10 minutes late? And if you've got your read receipts turned on, then I know you at least saw it. You don't need to necessarily acknowledge it, but I know you saw it.
0: Okay. So I'm pushing the Katie Floyd button and turning on my read receipts. The, um, well, you know, we're half hour in and we were going to go through security, uh, privacy and parental controls, but we still haven't talked about any apps. So let's truncate that a little bit. Um, security and privacy, turn a password on an iPad. I mean, just don't, you know, don't argue with me about it. Just turn it on.
1: And I will say, be careful because there's a setting that says if somebody enters the wrong password multiple times, that it will lock all your data. Um, I, I had someone, my cousins came to visit me, they're four and six. And they were Uh-oh. playing, Uh-oh. The, uh, yeah, in, in the car on the way they were playing with my aunt's iPad. And of course they were just entering whatever in, yeah. in the car on the way to see me, the iPad got wiped because, yeah. yeah. And they came to me and they said, um, Katie, you're so smart. You do all this Mac stuff. Unwipe it. Yeah. Um, and I was like, uh, sure. Where's your computer? You sync it into. And they're like, uh, back at home four hours away. And I was like, okay guys, well, guess what?
0: Well, if your aunt had been backing up to iCloud... Which she wasn't. You would have been able to restore it right there. So that's another good reason. I mean, we do all our backups to iCloud in our house, and I rarely find myself plugging an iPad into a Mac, except when I want to put a movie over. And you could technically do that over Wi-Fi, but I I just do it by plugging it in. Well, tell your aunt to get that... um, once she gets reset, tell her to get into iCloud backup, and then she won't have that problem again.
1: Yeah, I actually plugged it into my Mac, reset it for her, set it back up, and turned on iCloud backup. We weren't even going there.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a two-year-old nephew who is um, who likes me a lot because I'm fun, and I actually play guns and get on the ground and play with them and have fun. But he also likes to play with my iPad, and I actually turn the uh, security thing off when I give it to him. And what I haven't played with is, you know, in iOS 6, they have settings where you can make it so you can get an app and a kid can play with it. But the home button stops working, Mm -hmm. basically locks them into the app. And I haven't stopped to figure that out, but I I probably should. So Oliver can stay in one app. Sometimes he starts to get fascinated with pressing the home button and I get a little worried because I've got 15,000 words on a new book in there right now. I'd like not to have deleted (laughs)
1: <laughs> and speaking of giving kids your iPad, there, there's some pretty reasonable parental control settings that you can set under settings, general restrictions. Um, I would recommend that you can use a password to block that out and that you use a different password than your iPad password, but that's where you can set rating limits and access to apps. But the real important one there is you can set the time limit to require a password for in-app purchases So this is what keeps your kids from spending your real money on like boysenberries or something like that in their Smurfs game.
0: Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, it just depends how old the kids are. I mean, uh, my kids, when iPads kind of came into existence, my kids are old enough that, you know, they, we don't have those kinds of problems. I never had little kids with an iPad, but I can only imagine how how that could go if, if you had a kid that was like four or five and was in an app and just started buying upgrades over and over again without realizing what they were doing. Right. Right.
1: Um, and then I I would just say, be aware of location services, what's got access to location services. And now you can even limit what has access to your contacts and be specifically wary of what information Facebook and Twitter have access to.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing is when you tweet pictures or whenever you share pictures on the web, I think that's one to be very aware of. If you're taking a picture at your home and it's got that GPS data in it and you put it up on Twitter or Facebook, then you've just told everybody where you live. And maybe that doesn't matter to you, but maybe it does. Um, Like if you're at Disneyland, that's okay. But uh, when you're at home, be very wary of that. You and know, keep, I've
1: just I've just taken to turning off the GPS location settings on my camera. I, you know, maybe you get some protection by by managing it on an app by app data uh, uh, basis. But the only way that I can be sure that 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 information doesn't get out there is by turning it off on the source, which is the camera to begin with.
0: Yeah, and I know you're. I think you're more sensitive about that than I am. I don't. I don't care as much. But but I I get that.
1: All right. Well, let's let's talk about some essential apps for our iPad. But maybe before we do, let's let's talk about our second sponsor for this episode, and that is one of my essential apps for my iPad, and that's One Password.
0: And that's actually the essential app on your on your iPad.
1: <laughs> it is. So I, as I mentioned, I, I went iPad only at MacWorld this year, and one of the things that happened while I was at MacWorld is you remember there was this big Twitter breach. Where yeah. Twitter claims it was only 250,000 um, usernames and passwords that got cracked. But I have a sneaky suspicion based on the number of people just at the show who told me that they got the email from Twitter that they had to reset all their information, that it was more. And but, you I was, know,
0: but you know on that, Katie, that was – it was like the first 250,000 people who signed up.
1: It, it, it yeah. Was like, so it's so, probably more likely our
0: group. Yeah, Exactly.
1: But I was sitting in the middle of a session when I got this information, and I'm sitting there with my iPad only, and I'm a little freaked out about it. But it was real simple, especially with the new 1Password uh, version 4, because I was able to log in, uh, confirm, number one, that my Twitter credentials, which I'd already suspected because I use 1Password, I'm able to generate unique, strong, secure passwords – that are not duplicated across any of my services. But I was able to confirm that that Twitter password was not used across any other services, so I could go in and change them if I needed to on other services. But right within the 1Password app on my iPhone, I was able to generate a new, strong, secure password. Couldn't tell you what it is. It's one of those random ones that 1Password generates. Um, Copy it, log into my Twitter account, or click the reset link that they gave me. I was actually able to open it in the 1Password app for convenience because they have this great new open-end feature. Where, if you just type OP in front of any URL, it will open it in one password, create my new password, log back out. The whole process, I think, took me less than a minute or so, and I was good to go. And what really was a a pleasant, and I don't want to say a surprise, but was really a pleasant experience throughout Macworld is that, you know, I was in and out of websites, I was logging in and out of different services. And had just how full-featured the 1Password app was. And what I was using quite a bit was the built-in web browser with 1Password version 4, because that actually probably was my primary web browser the, the week that we were in Macworld, because it had access to all of my 1Password logins and credentials and information. It was wonderful. Yeah,
0: it's a really nice browser in version 4, and and you don't really miss Safari when you're in it. So. It's not really a conscious decision so much as, hey, all your passwords are there, so you log in through there. In fact, 1Password's on my home screen. It's not, you know, this is an important app to me. I use it all the time. Uh, You know, another great thing about it on the iPad is, you know, we talked about security, but, you know, your security most likely is going to be a four-digit number. I mean, you can have a more complex one, but that's what most people use. And if you've got other data that's very important to you, like your social security number or you know, banking information, you can add these notes to 1Password and put it behind the 1Password security wall. And it gives you a second layer of protection on your iPad. And I I just love having it. So there's a lot of reasons to like this app on your iPad.
1: Yeah. And you know that if your iPad goes missing or gets picked up in the hotel room or whatever, uh, all that data is is secure, locked down in 1Password. Great to know. So thanks to 1Password for their continued support of Mac Power users. And uh, let's talk about some other great, iPad apps.
0: Yeah, um, well, the first one is I think yours, Evernote.
1: Yeah, Evernote. You know, I've talked about how I use Evernote for everything, and I I stick all of my statements, all of um, all of my information about um, whether it be bank statements or um, you know statements that I get from like my cable company, you know, all of that stuff that you get and save that goes all into a statements category in one password. I keep, I'm, I'm sorry, in, in Evernote. Um, I keep information and receipts and things that I'm going to use for tax purposes in there. I keep recipes in Evernote because I don't have that many and it's, you know, I don't need a dedicated program to manage them. So I keep all of that stuff in Evernote. And then Evernote is really great when you travel. I you know, I was storing, you know, as I saw cool things at Macworld that I wanted to come back to, I would, you know, people, how people on the show floor hand you these, these handouts with information. I don't keep those things well, so I was taking a picture of them. I was using the Scanner Pro app on my iPhone, which could be another pick, but this is the this is the uh, MacWorld uh, the iPad show but it syncs directly with Evernote. So I was getting all of those scans and saving them to Evernote. I was taking pictures of receipts and saving them to Evernote. I've got all my travel documents and itineraries in Evernote. And so it's just this huge repository of information that's searchable. And, you know, everything I would ever want is just right at my fingertips in the iPad. I, I absolutely love it.
0: So as a uh, Evernote power user, what do you think of the most recent app versions? They've really changed the interface quite a bit recently.
1: They have. And I will say that it takes some getting used to. I don't mind it. Now that I've I've gotten used to it, it was a little bit of a learning curve. But it's, it's fine. It's very clean. Um, you just kind of have to figure out, okay, what am I going for? Am I looking for a notebook? Am I looking for a, a tag? Am I looking for a specific... Um, place where I took a note, you know, you just have to figure out what exactly am I looking for or am I searching directly. And most of the time what I do is I stay in the notebook field because I'm I'm pretty good about organizing things into notebooks, into sub-notebooks, and then I drill down from there.
0: Yeah, I, I actually like it better than the old version, and um, I'm finding more uses for Evernote. I haven't, you know, dove fully in as you have, but there are certain parts of my life that I'm definitely tracking with Evernote notebooks. So I'm seeing that. Uh, I've got one, it's called reader with two E's and we've talked about this a couple times on the show, but, um, and I think we're overdue to go back to kind of a managing the onslaught show. We did one on RSS feeds ages ago and I know my workflows have changed and, and things have changed, but reader hasn't left my life. I still use it. It's on the Mac and it's on the iPhone. It's on the iPad. It's a very minimal interface newsreader. And yeah, uh, I will say I know,
1: uh reader is not only on my home screen reader is in my dock on the iPad.
0: Wow. Wow. That's serious. But, uh, either way. So reader is just a great way to read articles on the web. They're nicely formatted. You know, you can subscribe to your RSS feeds and you can catch up very quickly with them. I know it's in vogue to stop using RSS feeds and just get all your information from Twitter, but that's not really how I use Twitter. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the, um, But I do like RSS feeds and Reader does a a nice job with it. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about, I think it's called Mr. Reader, um, It's just another app and I haven't even played with it, but I know that that is also of interest. And I think I'm going to have to get a copy and look at it because so many friends that I respect are using it these days. But uh, for now, at least I still really love Reader.
1: I too am using Reader, although I, I will tell you, I have really scaled back on my RSS feeds because what I realized, if I, if I get too much stuff in that RSS feed, it just kind of becomes overwhelming and I end up declaring RSS bankruptcy and marking them all as red and trying to start over. So I've tried to make a conscious effort to go through and, and clear out and, and really only pick those RSS feeds that I'm I actually interested in actually read. And what I'll do is is I'll go through and if they're a quick story, I'll read them. And then what I'll do is I'll send them to Instapaper, which is my next pick. You know, the only thing I wish is um, – I and you can do this on the desktop version of Reader, but not on the iPad version of Reader – I wish there was an easy way to add a feed because every now and then, it, like when I was at Macworld, people were talking to me about, you know, websites and I would, I, Macworld's a great place for exploration and discovery. And I found, you know, a couple of new uh, sites and a couple of new people that I were inter- was interested in. And I wanted to add their RSS feeds to reader. And I couldn't do that easily. That was one of the things I couldn't. So instead I had to make myself a, a task to subscribe to their feeds when I got back.
0: Yeah, and that leads to our next app, which is Instapaper. And like you, uh, you can make an adjustment in Reader, uh, you know, because you can pull an article, literally just take your thumb and pull it to the left. And usually you can use that to star it uh, using the Google, you know nomenclature. But you can also change that to send it to Instapaper. So literally going through Reader, I can just slide an article to the left and it goes to Instapaper. And that's what I do. Like you, if it's a short article, I'll just read it in Reader. But really, it's it's almost like a triage for me. I go through it and find the things that I'm interested in. And then I slide it over to Instapaper. And then at some point in the week, I'll just go through the Instapaper and see what I've got. Um, and the Instapaper app is just gorgeous on the iPad. And it's really... I remember when the iPad first came out, I think it was the first app I bought because it seems to me that's exactly what the iPad was made for. It was, you know, reading your own curated magazine, which is what Instapaper does. uh, I'm a big fan of the app. I actually contribute. I think it's a dollar a month to Marco with he's got Mm -hmm. a kind of like a for power features. And I use all those And, um, and Instapaper, if you haven't figured it out yet, you should. I mean, there's a bunch of read it later services out there. Um, I, I like Instapaper because I I just really respect the way Marco really sweats the little details in Instapaper, and it, it's just perfect for what I need. Uh, but you know, I guess use whatever one works for you. But uh, Instapaper is a great addition, and that one is in my doc.
1: Yeah, it's in my doc actually, right next to Reader. Yeah. So. Well, one of my other essential apps, and and you've got some others in here too, but is my Twitter client. And for me, that's, that's TweetBot. And I've really liked TweetBot, and, and they've got the NetBot version, which is also um, for the app.net. But I've tried a bunch of different Twitter clients over the years. TweetBot is the one that works for me. I just like a lot of the extra features that TweetBot has. I like the fact that I can have a couple of different accounts in it. I like um, – the fact that you know what I really like about it? I like the mute feature. So I like you know, if somebody's going off and tweeting all the time about a, a a sports event that I have no interest in, I use this a little bit during the Super Bowl. Um, that you can mute them for a day or for a couple of days or depending on what's going on. And you don't yeah, have to worry about that. I use it during the election. That. Yeah. There you go. Or you can tweet, you can tweet or you can, excuse me, you can mute um, certain keywords or if someone's kind of a chronic retweeter and you're really interested in what they have to say, but not necessarily all this stuff that they're retweeting, you can, you can mute their retweets. This is bad because I know it sounds like I use Tweetbot to censor people, doesn't it?
0: Well, you mute Max Sparky, right? I mean, I never (laughs) mute Max Sparky Uh, enough. I'm sure you do. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I just, I love the interface of TweetBot. And I like the fact that it also um, integrates in with the services that I use, like read it later. So it's, um, excuse me, like Instapaper. See what you made me do?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I like that it integrates with Instapaper so that I can just send um, the links that I find. Because I do find a ton of links that I'm interested in, um, in, in TweetBot. So I can click yeah, on something and send it over. Up.
0: Yeah, like you, all these pipes in my life point at Instapaper. And whenever something interesting comes across me, I send it to Instapaper. I don't have time to stop and read it right there always. But I I usually have time on the weekend to go through Instapaper. And, you know, it's kind of funny on that point. I really like reading articles on Instapaper on the iPad, but processing Instapaper, I find the best way to do that on my Mac using the web browser.
1: Hmm, That's interesting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, because like some of them... I will, you know, it just depends because I do a lot of things with these Instapaper articles. Maybe I'll send it to Evernote because it's something I want to look at later in reference to something I'm writing. Or maybe I will send it to OmniFocus. And all that stuff can be done on the iPad. But I'm really fast at it on the Mac. I can, like, fly through the Instapaper backlog on the Mac. And then there'll be a bunch of stuff left in there for me to just read. And then I'll I'll actually read it on the iPad.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, like you, I use TweetBot. And in addition to all the other things you said it's great about is they have their own, I think it's iCloud-based syncing mechanism. So yes, uh, wherever yes. I leave off on the iPhone, I pick up on the iPad and then I pick up on the Mac. And you know, like, you know they, their app Mac app came out recently. I think it's $20, which is a lot for an app. But because of the way... Uh, Twitter now gives you know these these tokens out to developers there's only so many copies of their app they're out there allowed to sell so uh, I like having everything mixed I, I do want to give a shout out to Twitterific uh, Craig Hockenberry was just on our show recently um, the most recent version of Twitterific is pretty amazing too and I do sometimes find myself using that one as well but um, tweetbot is also a very good app
1: yeah, absolutely um, I'll tell you one that really helped me get through Macworld on, on my iPad only and one that I'm using all the time for, I, I would call my, my personal writing. And that is Byword. We've talked about Byword on the show a lot, but Byword for me is the app that I, I've tried a bunch of other text editors. It's the one that I just keep coming back to. It's on my home screen. And I love it because I'm, I'm really using Markdown and I'm using Markdown now because the Squarespace app on my iPhone and iPad supports Markdown. I can just type my blog posts and byword word using Markdown, um, copy all, paste them, paste them into the Squarespace app. And that's how I compose almost all of my, my Macworld, or that's how I composed all my Macworld posts that I did on the, on the go. But that's how Is, I compose. Isn't that
0: a great workflow just to, because oh. I know you've just kind of recently gone to Squarespace. And I just love it. I mean, I write the stuff in Markdown, I paste it in the app and I post it to the, to the web. There's no no other steps involved.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But what I like about ByWord is that it just, everything syncs no matter where I am. So I can start writing this blog post on my iPad in the hotel room at Macworld or wherever I happen to be. And then it syncs via iCloud over to my Mac And it's got the text expander support. It's just, it's clean, it's elegant, it's got the markdown support and it does everything that I want it to do. It's just the perfect text editor app for me. So I've tried the others and I keep coming back to it.
0: Yeah. And they they were a sponsor of ours in the past, but that we, we love them before and we love them after. Um, Now, Byword, do you use syncing through iCloud?
1: Yeah, I do. I do use the iCloud syncing.
0: Because it syncs through both Dropbox and iCloud. And I think ByWord is perfect for iCloud syncing. Because uh, at any one time, this is kind of my active writing kit, is ByWord. Anything I'm working on, like I I have a file in there for billings, for the legal stuff. I have a file in there for whatever most recent article I'm working on for Macworld Magazine. There's an article in there for... Uh, pieces of a book i 'm writing you know uh, when i 'm going to meet with somebody at my office we 've got a really nice TV and Apple TV set up in our office i 'll make a meeting agenda just in Byword, and then when they walk in i 'll open up Byword and stick it up on the screen with the apple tv and so there 's all these little things i 've got in there um, they don 't stay there too long once I get done with them you know i I save them somewhere else, and i don 't keep the iCloud sync with you know three hundred documents it 's probably right. twenty but It's really super. And I just love the writing environment. Like, you know, I was talking about at Macworld where I'd go down at night and work on the book. That was all done in ByWord. And, you know, you have a Bluetooth keyboard. The screen looks great. And um, the text is very crisp. And it's just a really nice place to write. So um, I'd say that on the iPad, probably 90% of the significant writing I do is done in ByWord. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. It's not in my dock, but it's on my home screen. Um, Yeah, I put another one in and that's the Google app. And, uh, you know, because everybody thinks I don't like Google, but it's actually I think they do some stuff great. And that Google app, their competitor to Siri, um, in a lot of ways is superior. Have you played with the, the voice recognition on the Google app?
1: I haven't played with it, but I have played a little bit with the Google app because I I set up the Google app for my mom's iPad. She she wanted, instead of Safari, she always, when she opens Safari, she always goes to a Google page. And so she made me bookmark Google for her. And so I said, well, here, there's an app for that. And then I just put that in her, her bookmark, her doc instead.
0: So did you install Chrome for her or did you put the Google app up?
1: No, I put the Google app up.
0: Okay, interesting. Well, I like when we were at Macworld, next year Macworld is going to be February 1, 2, and 3. It's Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Right. And um, we were wondering if that's the same weekend as the Super Bowl. So I was in a speaker room with some other people, and, and I opened up my phone and pressed Siri and said, when's the Super Bowl next year? And Siri didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I did it in the Google app after that just to see, and man, it was immediate it knew that the Super Bowl is on February 2nd next year. So, yeah, but you know, either way um, that's just an example of where Google does a better job at this stuff. I mean, Apple's, I think that's Apple's big challenge is to become a web services player. It's something they traditionally haven't done, but I think that's probably another show.
1: Yeah. I think they're working
0: on it. Yeah, I do too.
1: Another one you uh, you put in here was for your, and, And keep in mind, we're just in our essential section. We've still got other sections for productivity, entertainment, utilities. So uh, Uh,
0: I think we have a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we might. Um, (laughs) Okay. Uh, You stuck in drafts and I'm curious to hear about how you use drafts because I've got drafts for both the iPhone and the iPad, but I use drafts a lot more on my iPhone than I do on the iPad. So I'm curious about how you use it on your iPad.
0: I use it all the time, no matter where I'm at. Drafts is an amazing app, but just you open it up and it's a blank cursor. And if I use 90% of my time writing in ByWord, the other 10% is in Drafts. So you just open it up and you start talking with, using Siri or start typing using your keyboard. And it gives you a great way to collect text for sending somewhere else. You can send it to OmniFocus tasks and I know OmniFocus has a quick entry but this is even quicker you can send it off to an email message you can I mean it's the app is amazing and The developer keeps coming out with these great updates. 2.5 recently came up and they've got all this automation stuff where it can go out to a different app and start doing things for you. And I did a post on that at Max Barkey. I just think it's a great little app. Like uh, I like to make entries to day one and it's the same thing. I can just open drafts and start dictating. So it's in my dock. And I don't have to go hunting for apps, and I can very quickly get text into my system. Now, I use it on both the phone and the iPad. I probably add text more often using my phone, but I do also do it on the iPad. And a lot of times, once again, because uh, maybe I like the bigger screen, I will, because they sync, I will do a bunch of, of work on it, like in the morning on my phone, and then when I sit down. I'll open my iPad and just open up all the notes I created on my phone to do the editing and processing of them.
1: Okay. That makes sense.
0: It's a great app. I, you know, it's an app that I didn't know I needed. You know, it's interesting because you figured after the iPad had been out a year or so that every category of app you could think existed. And then this draft showed up and what it is, is just a really, really fast way to capture text and then do stuff with it. And it's, uh, it really is nice.
1: Yeah, I and I think that the new features that they've added with version 2.5, people are going to find some really interesting ways to plug into those.
0: Yeah, I need to find some time to really dig in on it, but I've just been too busy lately.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, what else have we got here? Well, uh, we've got the another one of the essentials for me, which is also a sponsor, so maybe we'll combine this, is um, okay. um, Omni Group as a sponsor of our show, and Omni Focus is perhaps you know the most important app in my life <laughs> because <laughs> i have a lot of things i'm doing and omnifocus makes it possible for me to do them and uh, uh so i'm going to this is an ad spot but i'm going to both talk about the app and i also want to talk about what happened in san francisco so first of all the the omnifocus app on the ipad is a testament to the way people at, at the omni group work in fact they they don't just you know poop out an app for the iPad, they actually say, okay, what is special about the iPad and how can we use that to make OmniFocus better? It's an, it's a distinct version of this application. You don't get the copy of the phone app and you don't get a copy of the Mac app. You get something unique for the iPad. And some of the things that the iPad is really great for is planning because you've got that nice big screen and they have like the forecast mode and the review mode and some things in OmniFocus on the iPad that that's the, the preferred device for me. Um, when I do my reviews, I sit there with the iPad and I usually do it at the Pete's Coffee across the street from my work. It seems like it's a nice environment to get away and do it. Um, and I sit down with my iPad and I feel like I've really accomplished something at the end. So... Um, I know we occasionally hear from listeners who say, I really love OmniFocus. I don't know if I want to spend the money to buy the iPad version to go with my Mac version. I'm saying you should buy it. It's really worth it. Um, The Omni group has a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you get it and you don't like it, even though you bought it in the app store, they will honor it. They're a very, you know, they're a company with a lot of integrity. Um, I suspect you will be very happy with the uh, expense though, because it's a, it's a fantastic experience for OmniFocus. Now,
1: yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago now at, at Macworld, iWorld?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. So they had this Cartoon Art Museum event, uh, which was they called, there was two of them. The first one was called The Setup, and the second was called The Debut. And during the afternoon, they had a bunch of, you know, geeks come in and talk about how they me OmniFocus. I got to do a session, too, and they're going to be putting that up. It'll probably be up by the time the show goes live, but it's not as we record.
1: Yeah they've actually as of the time we've recorded they they put up the introduction to Omnifocus 2 video yeah, so that, I know they I know they're working on them.
0: That's the second event. I just actually sent them my slides from the afternoon so I know I think they're going to try and incorporate that into the video. But um, so that first, the afternoon session was great because there was a bunch of people from the Omni group helping people get better at OmniFocus. There was a bunch of people, Sven Fechner, um, you know, everybody that has been writing about this stuff. You know, Tim Stringer was there. Um, I'm going to leave somebody out and feel really bad. Merlin Mann was there. You know, I was there. Um, you know, uh, Kourosh Dini was there. You know, everybody. So anyway. Mike Vardy, whoever I forgot, I'm really sorry. But uh, everybody got up and spoke for a while. It was really a lot of fun, and it was a very community event. There was a bunch of Mac Power Users listeners, by the way, and I got to meet a bunch of them there, which was a lot of fun. In fact, after they finished the setup, they had to get us out of there so they could get ready for the debut of OmniFocus 2. So I ended up going to dinner with a bunch of Mac Power Users listeners. It was a blast. It was a blast. Anyway, so we come back and then they had the the debut of omnifocus too and I've been on the inside list you know um so Liz, the product manager for Omnifocus got up on stage and showed off the new application i got to i've been using it for a while it's you know it's it's a very alpha product now it's definitely not ready for an open beta test, but uh, Merlin and I got to sit up there and really interrupt Liz and be kind I felt so
1: bad for Liz because you know Liz was up there. You know she was just on it, and she did a great job. And you and Merlin are just like throwing bomb.
0: Yeah, but the, it was a lot of fun, and you know there was so much love in that room. Everybody was so excited. Like there's features in the new app that. That make it easier to use. I mean, what they really did with OmniFocus 2, you're going to see, is they made it a lot easier to get in the front door. I think a, a common complaint was that yes. the application was, had too high of a bar of entry. Well, they've lowered that quite a bit, but they've also kept all the power features. So there's some really great stuff coming. And if you buy OmniFocus 1 now from the website, don't buy it from the Mac App Store. Buy it from the website. They will automatically give you OmniFocus 2 when it comes out. So there's really no reason to wait. And it's it's super. There's pictures of it. I'm going to link to the uh, OmniFocus 2 event in the show notes so you can go get some screenshots of how the new version looks. But it's much easier to manage. And I think it's going to make people even better mm-hmm. at using OmniFocus to manage their lives. So uh, we're big fans. And just spending time with the OmniFocus people again. Um, we're so lucky that the people who sponsor our show are such just great people and so conscientious and they work so hard to bring great products to our listeners. That's not a mistake. We we definitely are selective about who we accept as sponsors. And spending that time with the OmniFocus people just reminded me again of how amazing they are. So thanks, OmniFocus, for sponsoring the show. And, and I'm sorry this ad ran a little long, but uh, I hope you got some good information out of it and you'll go check out OmniFocus.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we've kind of um, finished our best of the best category of essential iPads apps. You want to move along to productivity apps?
0: Absolutely. Well, um, I, th-
1: oh, I feel bad now because now these people in the productivity section and the rest won't think they're the best of the best, but that's okay.
0: Well, there can only be a few of the best, right? But that but, doesn't mean that these they, others aren't great too.
1: But these got added to our show. I mean, out of the tens of thousands of millions of gazillions of iPad apps out there. So, you know.
0: Okay. Well, I've been talking a long time. Why don't you pick one?
1: I'll pick one. So I am actually using pages quite a bit. And what really turned the corner for pages for me is I'm using it quite a bit for work because they've added a lot of extra features now to really add compatibility with Microsoft Office. And I don't know whether Microsoft Office is ever going to release an iPad version. I keep thinking that they have to. I, they they have to see that there's a market there and that they can make a lot of money. And I have to believe that at their heart and soul, Microsoft is a software company and realizes that they'll make so much more money selling Office for iPad than they will by keeping it exclusive to the Microsoft Surface tablet jig, whatever. But, well, I think
0: there's even more to that. They're foolish not to because there's 100 million iPads out there. So that means there's a hundred million people who are figuring out how to do Microsoft Office type things without Microsoft without Office. Office yeah, and the more they realize they don't need it, the less likely they are to start using it everywhere so i I think it's a big mistake, but maybe it'll come out tomorrow, who knows?
1: maybe I doubt it. But Pages has really added some additional features to make interacting with Office documents a lot better. You know, The big one being the track changes feature. And I can now import Office documents, export Office documents, track changes, send them back and forth, save them back to my Dropbox, share them with people back at the Office. It, it's really become a, an, an Office replacement for me on my iPad. I still use Office on my Mac quite a bit because it's just easier to use the native Office client on my Mac. But I can now get by... With using Pages only on my iPad when I'm out and about and getting work done on my iPad if, my, if somebody in my office needs to send me something while I'm gone, I, I feel like I don't absolutely positively have to take my Mac anymore because I can do all that stuff in Pages. And just for my own personal stuff, using paid Pages is my, my default word processor when I need something more than just a text editor because it all syncs back and forth by iCloud and I've got it everywhere.
0: Yeah, I um my writing workflow when I do anything for like Macworld or for a book is you know, I write, write, write in Scrivener or by word. At some point I've got something done and I want my editor to read it. I move it into pages and email it to her and she's got pages as well. And the track changes on pages on the iPad is really a pleasure to use. Yeah. Um, you know, the the next field guide, I did all the track changes on that on a plane ride from Ohio to California. I did everything on the iPad and it was no problem. So, uh, they, they have come a long way. Apple puts a lot of focus on it. I think it is pages is the best word processor on the iPad.
1: I guess my my other pick is in the productivity category is going to be PDF Pen. And full disclosure, PDF Pen is a sponsor of Mac Power Users, not for this particular episode. But this is my go-to app for any and all things PDF related, not just because I can read and browse through PDFs, but I can really make edits and annotations to my PDFs. And I use this all the time for when somebody sends me something and I need to drop a signature in and send it back. Or we've been working with this guy who's designing our website for the office and he's been sending us mockups and it's just I've been taking my iPad to we have these Wednesday morning meetings with my partners at work and you don't want to take a full computer and pass it around the the breakfast table at the office so I've been taking my iPad and showing them these PDF markups of our our new website and then I can write on the iPad annotate we like this but not that consider you know using a different shade of orange for this and Um, we need to change the placement of this picture and I can do all of this stuff, make these annotations, you know, get the input from my partners and then email it right back. And that's all done right within PDF pen. And I love that it's got the iCloud and the Dropbox syncing. And so it's, it's just one of my must have apps.
0: Yeah. And to me, the iCloud is killer because I'm using all these Apple products and I love having my PDFs everywhere, even in my pocket. Um, the Write uh, Room is an interesting app. I, I like it for, you know, I've talked about writing on Byword, but I also have this NVALT database that's a bunch of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these little text files on Dropbox. And I use Write Room to sync to that. So Write Room's kind of my, my iOS uh, portal to NVALT uh, data. And it's really fast at syncing. And I just like the experience. So I use Write Room.
1: So Write Room's kind of, you don't use it for anything else but syncing to NVALT.
0: Yeah. And, and I go okay. in there and add notes to it. I mean, like, you know, you were talking about how you use day one to record when you meet with somebody, um, right? I will open the right room and quickly jump to the note for some case I'm working on after I get off the phone or talk to a guy at the courthouse, then I'll tap the Siri button. And well, actually, I'll type in a date string. So I, you know, put a date string on it, then I'll hit the Siri button and just record a very quick memo about what we talked about and what was said. And then I've got a nice record. So, uh, that's how right room works for me. And and I use it almost as much to, to, you know, on the iPad, I'm almost usually looking for that data to see what it says more than adding to it. But when I want to add to it, I use Siri. Um, I've got tons of forms in there. Like I was, I was somewhere with my iPad and a a client called and needed kind of a, a standard transactional document that, that I happen to have the text for in a Write room note. And so I block and copied it out of there, pasted it into pages and sent it to him as a word doc. And he was very happy.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. Um, you also had another one in here, writing kit for Markdown.
0: Yeah. Writing kit is really interesting. Um, it's a, if you're going to do something big with Markdown, it's, it's definitely an option. Um, I have been playing with it. I haven't, I wouldn't say I have like fully adopted it because I still prefer by word, but like, uh, one of the tricks Writing Kit has is if you've got um, headings set in a Markdown document, you can actually get kind of like a, a poor man's table of contents on that and jump between them. There's there's some very nice features in Writing Kit if you're going to do a lot of Markdown writing. So that's one that's on my radar. I wouldn't say I've fully adopted it yet, but it's I'm carrying it around on my iPad these days.
1: Okay. Well, one that I've got to have on my iPad and one that I've, I've been using quite a bit, especially as I've used my iPad more on the go is Dropbox. And, you know, Dropbox on the iPad is not as full featured, of course, as Dropbox on the Mac, but it gives you access to all of the documents that you need on the go. So you can find something, pull it out of Dropbox. And I'm finding that more and more apps, and I don't know if this is due to updates in the Dropbox app or due to updates in other apps, will let you open app, will let you, I think it's updates to the Dropbox app, but will let you open a document back in Dropbox. So for example, I was working on a a Pages document recently and, you know, Pages has never really supported Dropbox, right? I mean, their thing is iCloud. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was in a Pages document and I was like, gosh, I'd really like to get this back in my Dropbox. I just don't know how to do that. And so I hit the little the open in dial you know the little open in button, and there was a little button that said open in another application. And so I was like, all right, well let me hit this and let's see what this does. And one of the options was open in Dropbox. So I was able to export my Pages document back into my Dropbox. And I was like, when did that happen?
0: Yeah, I Dropbox, swear that
1: wasn't there before.
0: They've recently updated their API and they're they're making it a lot easier. I mean, it was always I think pretty easy. And, you know, historically, Dropbox beat Apple to the punch. I mean, iCloud didn't exist when Dropbox started creating all these hooks for developers, but they've been continuing to up their game. And just recently, they made some nice improvements to their API to kind of get things back in. I haven't seen any apps taking advantage of it because it's brand new as we record this, but I think that it's going to only get better, which leads me to the question, why doesn't Apple make a iCloud app that does the same thing? I mean, I... You know they've got all this stuff that we've got attached to these apps. Why can't I have an app? This is iCloud, and I open it up. It's got a list of all my PDFs, for instance, that I'm using in PDF Pin and all of my Pages documents that I'm using in Pages, and all the text files in Byword. I think it would be really nice to have one app to access all of that stuff through. I don't know if it's maybe it's against their their vision for this stuff, but uh, it sure would be nice.
1: Yeah, I've thought about that too. And, you know, I I hesitate to say this on the podcast because I haven't done it yet. But I've also thought about, you know, taking and creating a symlink to that iCloud doc. um, What is it? The uh, mobile doc sync folder into my Dropbox.
0: Yeah, I'm really nervous about getting too clever with the iCloud database because it works so good for me. You know, like I really like opening Bioword on my Mac, my phone or my iPad and getting into all these things I'm working on. Um, so I, I'm very nervous about doing the sim links and, and, you know, kind of getting tricky with the stuff and the, in the possibility of somehow corrupting that data. And, uh, that would be really bad for me. So I'm yeah. going to let you do that, Katie. And just <laughs> I'll let, me let know you know how it how goes. It goes. It, yeah, yeah, there you
1: go. Um, notability is another one that I've been using as I've been using my iPad more and more in meetings and I've, I've been using my iPad a little more lately, actually with a stylus. And Notability, especially because it has that ability to blow up a section of the screen so that you can uh, take your handwriting and, and write on it at more of a more comfortable size for the iPad, but yet it scales it down to a, a reasonably readable size so it doesn't look like you're, you're writing in crowned on a, on a whiteboard um, because it will save your stuff back into Evernote or save it into Dropbox or save your stuff wherever you want to. But Notability has been a great note-taking app for the iPad, especially because it also has the ability, I think, to record audio, too.
0: Yeah, see, I use it completely different than you. I never handwrite in it. I only type on it, and I always record. I use it for meetings with people where we're going to talk about a lot of things. I want to go back and be able to listen to the indexed recording. A listener came up to me at Macworld and said, Hey, Dave, did you know that it doesn't sync to handwriting? Have you tested that, Katie?
1: What do you mean it doesn't sync to handwriting?
0: Well, if I type, if I've got the recorder running in Notability and I type you know, this is the part where we talk about, you know, monkeys, then when I tap that typing later, the recording starts right. picks up right from what we were saying at the moment I typed it. So yeah. in a lot of ways, it's like a Livescribe pen kind of index to the recording. A listener told me that if you do handwriting, it does not index that recording. If you tap that handwriting later, it doesn't pick up the recording where you were, t- where you're making that handwriting. I, I guess I never it ever.
1: realized that. Hmm.
0: I don't know if it's true or not, because I just had a person tell me that during the during Macworld, and I haven't had a chance to go check it because I just don't do handwriting in the app. So I was hoping you might know.
1: I, I don't know, but we'll check okay. it out.
0: I'm sure we'll hear about it. Uh, uh. Calculators. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, the iPad doesn't have a calculator by default. So I ended up going looking for one and I've never been really, you know, there are a lot of freebie ones and and maybe that's all you need and that's fine. But I found CalcBot and it was great because it served a dual purpose. Number one, it was a better calculator for both the iPad and the iPhone. Um, So it allowed me to both, number one, get a better calculator for my iPhone and number two, get a calculator for my iPad.
0: So. Yeah, and I like anything TapBots makes. This is the same people, you know, that make make NetBot and Tweetbot. Uh they're very whimsical applications. They've got fun sounds and it's just a it's a nice experience. I use Calcbot as well. Uh on the calculation front, there's a couple other apps. I like Solver, um, S O U L V R, I believe. And yeah. it's kind of like a it's a very simple spreadsheet type app where you can create Things you can just write it like a receipt or something, and and it'll do calculations for you.
1: I use Solver all the time on the Mac, especially when I'm doing um, demand letters or calculations for work, and I just want to make sure that my whole number of columns added up or that I calculated this interest correctly. It's 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 open almost all the time when I'm doing any kind of calculation on my Mac.
0: Yeah, and another, another app that's really fantastic on the iPad is Numbers, and like Pages, it's another Apple iWork app. But Numbers to me has a very special place on my iPad because I almost use it as an app development platform. You know, like you're talking about interest calculations, I have a a sheet that I've built over time where I just type a few things in and it creates a really nice looking solution and I can print it out. Um, I did a post at Max Sparky and I try not to do too much of the law stuff because I mean, who the heck wants to listen to that? But um, I did do a really nice uh, sheet I've made in Numbers on the iPad for settling cases when I'm in a media and it's something that allows the client to really feel like they have a little more control over the process and i'll link that in the show notes um i even gave the sheet so you can just download it and use it and uh the um that's something i created in numbers and it's not what you would think of as a traditional spreadsheet but at the same time it's really nice so the ipad has the ipad numbers application can have a lot of uses that you wouldn't think
1: all right. Well, we've got a couple of more categories to cover. I think we've got entertainment, which I, I think may go a little bit faster because yeah. well, you've got more than I do um, and utilities. But before we do, you want to do one more sponsor?
0: Yeah, why not? Let's talk about Squarespace. We've actually already talked about them a little bit in the show since we both run our blogs on it. But uh, Squarespace is everything you need to make an amazing website. It's fully hosted, completely managed environment for creating and maintaining a beautiful website, blog or portfolio. This means that no matter how experienced you are with building websites, you can build something amazing in minutes without having to worry about hosting, scaling, or integration. They've got beautiful, clean templates. Everything in this platform is drag and drop. I, I, I just love it. Um, I run maxsparky.com on it, and I have done it for years, and and everything's integrated. So uh, the layout engine is Squarespace's page builder, which allows you to create custom layouts for each of your pages in seconds. You add blocks of content and photos. Uh, My wife is now blogging. She's all of a sudden really into it, and we've got her hooked up on Squarespace, and she's got the um, the blocks she puts in because she likes to write a lot about Disneyland and she goes and takes pictures and it comes out really great. So you can put photos and videos, text, social media, and tons more. You don't have to worry what your site looks like on a mobile device. Your entire site will restructure automatically to fit on every device and maintain the beauty of the site's design. If you like stats, you'll love the real-time analytics that are built into Squarespace. There are even iOS and Android apps that let you manage and post on the go. And that's what you did, Katie, at Macworld. You were that posting this is st- what I did, yeah. Straight from your iPad. Um, you can even import your content from your current blog and easily set up sharing and syncing with your social media accounts. When you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get a free custom domain name. So that's, uh, that's what Daisy did. It's mrsmaxsparky.com. She got the domain for free because we bought a year. Uh, Squarespace is $10 a month for the standard plan and $20 a month for the unlimited plan. If you sign up for a year, you automatically get 20% off. And if you sign up for two years, you get 25%. And if you want to pay month to month, you can link to your custom domain with just a few clicks. There's no credit card required to try it. Simply go to squarespace.com slash Mac and start your trial. Now, if you decide to purchase, click enter an offer code below the pricing at checkout and enter the code MPU2. So that's MPU and then the number two uh, for February uh, for an additional 10% off. So Go check out Squarespace, everything you need to make an amazing website, and thanks Squarespace for sponsoring the Mac Power Users.
1: So let's move on to the category of entertainment, which is one that I admit I don't have a ton on my iPad entertainment-wise, but what I do like to do is I like to read on my iPad, and this is one of the areas where I think I may really want an iPad mini because although I love reading on my iPad, the iPad is so heavy. Not really. listen to you. you Just listen to you. I know. I'm such a whiner. Um, I mean,
0: remember how amazing it was to us when it came (laughs) out and now it's so heavy.
1: It's so heavy, but it's so pretty. The the screen is so crystal clear. But I found that I'm reading a lot more because I have my iPad with me. But I've actually, right or wrong, and I don't know, you know, at some point I had to make a decision, iBooks or Kindle. And now what's great about the iPad is you can have multiple, multiple, uh, you know, multiple apps on your iPad, but I decided to go with the Kindle platform and that's where I'm buying most of my books is Amazon Kindle. Just at the time that I started buying books, I found that the Kindle had, you know, a larger offering. I know iBooks has caught up quite a bit. So the Kindle app is probably my pick. That's where I buy most of my books is out of Amazon. And I read most of my books in the Kindle app, except for the wonderful iBooks author books, of
0: course. Well, I, I'm. it's not an or. Once again, you're using an or when it could be an and. It can be an uh, and, that's right. iBooks and Kindle. Uh, so I used to have a Kindle. So I bought a bunch of books back then. And I have the Kindle app that I use to read some of those books. Um, but I buy most of my books in iBooks. And in addition to the fact that iBooks has treated me so well and given me a platform to publish my own books, so obviously I'm a fan, um, I also think that books look better in iBooks. The typography is better. The fonts are better. Um, there's just, I just think it's a better experience. I mean, an Apple designed reader works in my opinion, better than the uh, Amazon one. Um, like you, uh, when I first started using it, I found that sometimes the books and iBooks were more expensive, but it seems like that's really gone away. In my experience, usually they're about the same price, but I do look if it's something that's going to be too expensive. And, um, and Amazon definitely still has more books available than iBooks though, but, if it is in iBooks, that's where I will buy it. And uh, that's just my thing, I guess.
1: Now, you're you're reading some comics on your iPad, I see.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, anybody who spends any time around Merlin man, I think he's the world's greatest marketer. Uh, because I never had any interest in comics. When I was a little kid, you know, we didn't have any money. And I told my mom I wanted to read comics. And she did the smartest thing in the world. She went and bought me an Archie comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was so stupid that I, uh, I said, oh, you know what? I don't think I want comics. She didn't get me like Superman or, you know, Batman or something. Cause that probably would have hooked me. But uh, so I had an Archie comic and that was the end of my comics experience. And then Merlin starts talking about it and he's just so good. Once he gets excited about something, I always find that it, it's infectious. And uh, so he got me onto this comic called saga because I didn't want to read a comic that required me to know all the history. Cause all these comic books, I mean, there's like, You know, Batman, there's like 40 years of Batman comics, and there's all these things that have happened to him. So if you read it, you're completely lost. He got me into one called Saga that's like a self-contained story. And I'm actually really enjoying it. So I'm 45 years old now, and I'm reading comics. I don't know. Am I digressing? I don't know. But I'm enjoying it. So
1: Everybody needs an outlet.
0: I'm doing that in comiXology. Well, I'm not going crazy, you know. Uh, When we were at Macworld, me and Merlin compared comiXology screens, and I definitely have not gone as far down that rabbit hole as he has. But I do like Saga. So I'm reading it in comiXology. It's very nice. You just flip your finger, and it goes to the next pane, and it looks gorgeous on that retina iPad. So there's something to be said for it. Another one I like is Flipboard, uh, which is a really great news app. Uh, You know, I have reader to, for my, you know, kind of focused news, the stuff that I'm really looking at, but sometimes it's fun, you know, when you're sitting in bed and you want to read, just go through Flipboard and see what the news says.
1: And then newsstand. I don't use newsstand at all on my iPhone. I, in fact, I wish I could take it off my iPhone, but I've I've, yeah, but I've got quite a few little things stuck in newsstand on my, on my Mac. For example, um, some of the magazines that I subscribe to, where I actually have paper copies of the magazine, will give me a free newsstand copy. So I've got MacWorld magazine in my newsstand, and I'll kind of go half and half with MacWorld. I'll read it partially on a paper copy and partially on the on the iPad copy. Um, Don's got the great screencast online magazine that I I always read through newsstand and MacLife yeah, magazine, so, of course. Yeah.
0: So why are you getting rid of it? You're already telling the, the magazine. No, 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 on
1: the iPhone because uh, I I don't read it on the iPhone. I love it on the iPad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean I got I got some more in here, but then you're gonna find out I don't think I wanna talk politics on the show. I got a couple of those that I read. I do Macworld, I got the New Yorker on there, which I've is got, great because I've got I don't time
1: in here and um, I don't
0: get stacks of them. The New Yorker is I believe I would pay five dollars a month and I get all of them and I don't have stacks of them around the house anymore.
1: Yeah. So um, I, I'm, and then, I I like it. In Engadget has a, has a magazine through Newsstand, and I like Engadget stuff, but it's just kind of one of those fire hoses. I had to take it out of my RSS feed because it was too much. But yeah. Engadget has this um, Newsstand app called Distro or this magazine called Distro, which is kind of like curated the best of Engadget for the week. And then they did it daily during CES so you could keep up to date with what's going on with CES, and I like that. So instead of reading the Engadget site, um, I'll, I'll go through the Distro magazine.
0: Yeah. And see, that's for me, like Flipboard is the same way. You find some of these tech news sites like um, The Verge or some of these. I, I couldn't follow their RSS feed because it's just too much. But, you know, you find where they have alternative content. And if you're in the mood, you can go, you know, surf it for a while. And if not, then you never see it. Yeah. Uh, another app I would recommend is for YouTube, viewing YouTube. It's called Jasmine. And it's just a really nice YouTube viewing client. Um, uh, I prefer that. Um GarageBand is is the ultimate entertainment app. I, you know, when I was a kid, I had I loved to make music. I think I said this on the show we did with Johnny when we were talking about music. But I used to have two Sears cassette recorders. I'd put on the piano and I'd record myself playing, and then I'd play back the recording and then record on the other one while I played along with it or I'd get my sax out or something. And it was so goofy and the technology was so bad that the recordings were horrible, but GarageBand as an adult is exactly what I wanted as a kid. So I find myself making little songs in there all the time. I, I really, and, and on the iPad, it's like a really great experience and I can plug it right into my MIDI keyboard and, and record MIDI into it. Um, GarageBand is if you haven't played with it and you've got any interest in music, it, I really recommend it. I, we talked about this on a resolution show, didn't we?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I'm not going to say any more, but GarageBand, go check it out.
1: Yeah. Um, a couple other apps that I use, I use AirVideo. I've talked about this before on the show. It's I've I've got a component running on my Mac Mini server and then it it keeps in sync with my iTunes library and then I can get access to all of the videos in my iTunes library and all the content in my iTunes library. Um on my iPad. So whether I'm at home on my local network, which I don't really use it for that much there because I can just use the remote app, but um, more so when I'm away, it gives me access to everything in my iTunes library with uh, air video.
0: So you're streaming, I guess, over Wi-Fi to your hotel, your video from home.
1: Yep. Anything that's on my iTunes library on my Mac mini, as long as you've got the client running on the Mac mini.
0: So that's, that's a really great thing, especially if you're a 16 gigabyte iPad user.
1: Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that, keep that data off there. And then another uh, one that's related to that is IMDB that, you know, I'm watching a movie or I'm watching a TV show and you're like, who is that guy? I know that person. What are they in? Um, and yeah, I just, that's, that's kind of my second screen sometimes is I'll pick up my iPad if it's on the coffee table and, and look and see.
0: Yeah. I think What's everybody gone? has got IMDB installed. <laughs> um, so we got some utilities as well. Um, my, I think maybe one of my favorite utilities is find friends because, uh, my whole family is, is in it. And, uh, often we'll be meeting for dinner or Disneyland or somewhere and, uh, find friends is, is so useful to, to us.
1: You know, I can't really get my family to get into this and, um, I, I don't know how to really approach that topic with them. Say, hey, can I track your whereabouts on my phone?
0: Uh, you know, I think it's easier with your nuclear family. You know, Probably. S- someday when you get your kids and stuff, you'll you'll see. But the um, uh, my sister who doesn't live with us, lo- I think she's a stalker. Actually, she she loves to just see where I'm at. And like, I, I went in the Apple Store the other day because I had to buy um, uh, a pair of headphones for somebody. And she actually called me. She says, "Why are you in the Apple Store?" <laughs> And I'm like, well, why are you tracking me
1: back away
0: from the genius bar? But the uh, it's a um, it's very useful, especially when you have kids, you know, and and even just saying, you know, when's mom going to get home so we can put dinner in the oven? You know, we can kind of plan it so it's ready when she gets home. I can see when she's left. So it's really nice.
1: Yeah, um, I I use screens all the time which is a uh, VNC client. And I use it. See, I, I use two different apps for this. And We talked about this on the remote access show, so I won't cover it too much here. But when I am in my house, especially when I'm accessing my my Mac mini, which is kind of headless. I mean, it's connected to my TV, but controlling a Mac mini from a TV isn't the greatest thing in the world. Um, I use screens to control my Mac mini from my iPad. And yeah. I can control and log into anything on my local network. I don't need to set up anything or have any clients running on those machines. It just does it through screen sharing. Um, and then for because I like the additional security features, I will use um, – you can either use LogMeIn has an app, or I was lucky enough that I got in um, on the early version and got Ignition – Ignition, I'm sorry – um, which is if you paid for it initially, then you got some additional services when they change their pricing structure. So I got me and Ignition, and I use that whenever I'm away. And I was actually had to do something that required a Mac when I was at Macworld last couple weeks ago, and I was able to just log in from my iPad.
0: Yeah, that's nice. And then another great utility is, is our sponsor, Smiles Text Expander, which uh, allows you to create snippets within any apps that support it. They, um, you know, where the out, the iPad supposed to be this closed environment, uh smile figured it out and they've got this API that all these developers are using. So when I was talking earlier about when I put a date string in Write room or when I write text in Byword, I'm using all those text expander snippets that I wrote on my Mac because everything just syncs through Dropbox. It's fantastic. If you've got text expander on your Mac and you should, uh, then you should get it as well on your iPad. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and then what else? Oh, deliveries. I use deliveries more often on my iPhone, but you stuck it in here under iPad too.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. So when you order something and you know, the, you're know you waiting for that Wells Fargo wagon to, to come down the road, you can just open up deliveries. It'll tell you where they're at.
1: I do this. I actually, um, I, I posted on Twitter. I had a package swiped from my front door. We had a lot of th- that's going around in my in my town, you know, right around the holiday time. So shame on you people. And um, so I, I've i been now religiously using the deliveries apps whenever I'm tracking a package to get it to give me a notification when things are delivered. So I make sure I go grab it.
0: Did you know now when you buy stuff from Apple, you can have them deliver it to your local store?
1: I don't have a local store, but that's good to know.
0: Yeah. If you do, that's a great way to go. If you, if you've got, you know, if you're at work and you're worried about, you know, new Mac showing up on your doorstep, you can just have them deliver it to your local Apple store and then go pick it up there. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, and then, you know, the last utility that I throw in is Goodreader. We did a whole show devoted to Goodreader and it's been a while now, but I just love having Goodreader on my iPad because it will open just about anything.
0: Yeah. But you know, the funny thing is I don't use it for PDFs. No, Which is I don't it anymore. Got started as. Yeah. But
1: it's but it's kind of my Swiss Army knife. If I need to get access to something, if I need to save something to a web server, if I need to grab something, a good reader is what will almost always do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, do you want to talk about some accessories, or shall we call it a day?
1: Can we talk about a few favorite ones? Okay, let's do it. And then and then we'll get out because I know we've been going for an hour and a half so far, but. I mean, I think one of the things that's important to talk about, you know, perhaps my favorite accessory for the iPad is an Apple TV.
0: Yeah, that's it is really useful. I've got one at home and I've got one at work and I'm constantly putting stuff up for my iPad on the screens. Yeah.
1: And and I think you just don't realize that for ninety nine bucks, you can take it just about anything that's on your iPad and put it on a big screen TV and it's just – it really extends the functionality of your iPad. And uh, it's, to, to me, it's a no-brainer. Anybody who has an iPad should consider looking at an Apple TV. All
0: right. Well, we've got some other stuff in here. Let's just go through it quickly. and okay. And if you're interested, you can go check it on the web. We'll put links in. So cases – uh, you've listed one.
1: Yeah, I use the Marware CEO case. I like it. It's it's fairly thin. It will prop up your iPad. Um, it's It's got a nice leatherette look to it. And it's I like it because um, it's professional looking. It doesn't add a lot of bulk. It offers good protection for the corners. And it's got one of those little slips for your hand. So you can stand and walk around and slip your hand behind the iPad and, and use the iPad one-handed. So I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, I bought a dodo case for my iPad, you know, which is very luxuriant. It's like a, it looks like a book, and it's not really the ideal iPad case. It doesn't prop up that well, but it's really fun having your iPad in something that looks like a book. <laughs> and uh, I've had it now for seven, eight months, and I, I still love it. So. Those are fun. You can check out Dodo case Uh, for my iPad mini for Christmas. A family member gave me a sleeve from Waterfield design and they're at sfbags.com and uh, they make really high quality bags and cases and the, the sleeve for the, um, the iPad mini is really nice. It's, um, kind of padded and it's orange. And I was carrying it around Macworld. If you saw me, you probably saw it. Um, they're not cheap. I think it's about 70 bucks for the sleeve, which seems like a lot of money, but it was, it was a gift and I really do like it. So I'll put the link in, uh, keyboards. Uh, where are you at with keyboards?
1: I'm still using the Zag flex and it's a separate, um, Bluetooth keyboard. It's smaller, it's detached. It's kind of an alternative to the Apple Bluetooth keyboard. It's not quite as full-sized. I like it because it's smaller, it's compact, it'll slip into a bag. And the reason I opted to go with a separate keyboard is because, again, it's that 95% rule. 95% of the time I'm using my iPad, I'm not using it with a keyboard, so I didn't want the extra bulk of a keyboard case.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still jumping between two different ones. I, I love the Apple Bluetooth case with the origami um, case around it, so it actually creates kind of a stand for your iPad, and I use that often. Uh, I use it on airplanes. I use it when I travel, especially if I travel without my Mac. I'll bring that along. I also have a Logitech Thing keyboard, which is a case cover that also has a keyboard, and it's slightly smaller. But, man, it's really nice when you go somewhere. You've got a keyboard and your, and your iPad in a very small package, and I can't pick which one I like better. So I guess it depends what you need. I'll put them both in the show notes. Um, other accessories, we talked about Apple TV. Um, I think the SD card or USB reader attachments are great. Um, and then just, just briefly, I'm going to put a post at up at Max Sparky before the show goes live. I've now committed, um, the Satichi remote that I used S A T E C H I is amazing. It uses the uh, Apple, um, um, it, the, um, it, it, the stuff for people who are visually impaired. There are some settings in there. And I don't even know how it works, but because you've never been able to use a remote to advance slides in Keynote on your iPad, you know, okay, um, right? You can't. Well, you, you, can't can pl- use,
1: you can use the Apple remote on the iPhone, but that's that's clunky for a whole uh, lot of reasons. I, I,
0: yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. So, and you can't plug like a dongle in the bottom because you're going to be presumably plugging your iPad into the dongle to get to the projector, unless right. you're doing it over Apple TV, but. Either way, I don't even know how these guys did it, but they came up with this remote. And by the time I write the article, I'll know more. But you, you basically you pair it through Bluetooth with your iPad. You turn on um, the visually impaired special tools, and you open up um, keynote and you press the button on the slide, and the slide. Adv- I mean, you press the button on the remote, and the slide remote uh, advances on your iPad. It works. So finally, we've got the ability to advance slides on the iPad. Um, it's a little, you know. Sketchy getting it set up, but once it works, it it really works. I did that whole presentation for the Omni Group using it, and uh, I was really happy with that. So I'll I'll write that up and put some links into the show notes so you can see. I think I paid about forty bucks for it, so it's cool. possible now. That that for a lot of people was a big deal. Yeah. In fact, when we talked to Les Posen, that was one of the big hangups we all had about the iPad. Okay, let's skip feedback. We're already in an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> we did blow through a lot of it in our last show. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh how do you get a hold of us?
1: Uh well you can find links to everything we talked about, and there was a lot of them in this episode on our website. That's at MacPowerUsers.com or at five by five dot TV slash MPU.
0: You can also send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers and reach us through Twitter at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd and I'm at Max Sparky.
1: Yeah. Um and I think that about wrap it up for this episode. We've been going on long enough on on iThings iPads, so we will talk to you all next time.
0: All right, see you then.